Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. I always think of male coffee drinkers when we're talking about Hebrews. Sorry. We are working on memorizing some scripture out of Philippians chapter 1. We're working on verses 9 and 10, and we're going to go through verse 11. So if you want a little bit of a head start, you can work that direction in your own personal devotions, all right? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, really A. And so, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 1. Some of you are going, no, 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 no. I got that coffee thing on my mind. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read or quote these verses together. We'll begin with the reference and finish with the reference. Here we go. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. Work on these verses of Scripture as we share together, and I trust they will be an encouragement to you. Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews is an interesting book written to Jewish believers so that they might understand that the sacrifice of Christ was sufficient to meet their needs. I need to remind you that the Jewish believers were, were, were used to everyday sacrifices, The priests stood ministering daily in the temple. They offered up sacrifices to God, which covered the people's sin. But Jesus Christ, as he came, offered a sacrifice that took away sin, and he offered it once and for all, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? As you study the book of Hebrews, you discover that the first five chapters talk about the superiority of Jesus Christ. He is above everything else. He's above angels. He's above Moses and the law. He is above all, and it is to him that we give our honor and glory. Verses 6, chapters 6 through 10, tell us about our salvation and our growth in our salvation, our sanctification. So as we study chapters 6 through 10, we discover that that salvation was given to us through Jesus Christ. And that we are to grow in that sanctification. And we are to then recognize that our living out of our salvation is to be seen in our spiritual growth. Chapters 11, 12, and 13 talk about being steadfast in the faith. Chapter 11, that great hallmark of faith. Chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And chapter 13 just rounds it all out together. Hebrews chapter 10. You follow along in your passage, your copy of the scriptures, please, as I begin with verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Therefore, because Jesus Christ settled our salvation issue, we need to be growing in our lives. Now, how does that happen? Focus with me on verses 24 and 25, will you please? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, in those verses of Scripture, I want you to pick out some things. I want you to note one another. I want you to note together. I want you to note one another. And I want you to understand today that as we grow together, our growth is relational. We are related to each other, and it takes each other if we are going to grow properly in Jesus Christ. We need each other. And so we have this relational growth together in Jesus Christ. Now, how does that all come about? I want to give you five realities that will help us grow up in him this morning. The first reality is this. We have grace assured. Look with me at verse 19. The first word is what? And every time there's a therefore, you do what? See what it's there for. So jump back with me to verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies, because of what Christ has done, we have complete confidence, assurance, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have access Keep your finger here in chapter 10 and turn back to chapter 4 with me, will you please? Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. I'm sorry, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time. Of need. Aren't you thankful that we can go into the presence of God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Now, I could have asked this question. Aren't you thankful for prayer? And that's exactly the confidence that we have. Scripture says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself. We read that in chapter 10, right? 
And since that is true, we have great confidence. We have great confidence that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. Now, I take you back to the Old Testament tabernacle. As you looked at that place of worship, you looked outside and you saw the brazen altar. And you saw the the labor where the priests cleansed themselves. And then inside that first tent, you found the holy place where there was a table of showbread, a golden candlestick, and an altar of incense. And then beyond that was another curtain, which was the Holy of Holies that contained the Ark of the Covenant. And on that Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat where the blood was placed. Only priests could go in and represent the people before a holy God. But you and I have great confidence to enter the Holy of Holies because Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, that cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Never get over your salvation experience. Recognize what God has done as He loved you and gave His Son for you. Understand the price that was paid so that we could have a relationship with God. His son went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for our sins. He bought us back. And he gives to us eternal life. We have great confidence. How? By a new and living way. Jesus said at the Last Supper, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And it was just last Lord's Day that we celebrated the Lord's table. And we recognized his given body through the bread. His shed blood through the cup. But it gives to us grace that provides for us a relationship with our God. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not by righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. I want to drive that home this morning. Because we can never understand God's love in sending his son to die for us on the cross. And I don't know about you, but when I became a child of God, God didn't get anything special. As a child, I've been a real brat. How about you? Even as an adult child, I sometimes haven't grown up. How about you? But I have confidence, I have grace assured. Because there is a new and living way, and that new and living way is through his flesh. He opened to us, verse 20, the curtain that is his flesh. Now we talked about the the tabernacle. Solomon built the temple. Remember that? Place of worship. And it too had an outer court that had the labor and the brazen altar. It had the inward court 
that had the table of Shubrah and the, and the golden candlestick and the altar of incense. And it had the Holy of Holies. And between those was this, this giant curtain. It was 60 feet wide and 30 feet tall. Now that's about as wide as this worship center. And it's about half again as tall as the peak. And the scripture says that when Christ offered himself as payment for our sins, that curtain was torn in two. Top to bottom. How in the world did that happen? God did it, that's right. A curtain 60 feet wide and 30 feet tall. And he provided for us a new and living way. Not only do we have grace assured, but we also have a reliable high priest. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Remember what the priest did? They represented man before God, right? They were the go-between, right? And who is our high priest? Jesus. We have a great high priest. This isn't just one in a line. This is the superior one. This is the magnificent one. This is the ultimate one. Since we have a great high priest. Something's going to happen. Now, did you notice, as we look at Grace Assured and a reliable high priest, what brought those together? There's the word since. There is the word that couples it all, that gives to us the access, that gives to us the wonder of our God. Since we have confidence, since we have a great high priest, there are some things that are going to happen. And they're identified by another Greek word that's used three times in this passage. And that Greek word is let us. Let us. Let us what? Let us draw near. Verse 22. Verse 23. Let us hold fast. And verse 24. Let us consider. Now, what are we to tie to those things? Back up to verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of what's the next word, class? Faith. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our, the next word, please? Hope. Verse 24. And let us consider how to store up one another to the next word. Have you noticed that in Scripture? Faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And so as we live this out, since we have confidence, since we have this high priest, let us, let us do something. 
let us understand the responsibility which is ours. Let us know that we have an opportunity for fellowship. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. Connie and I were engaged before she graduated from high school. I would not recommend that to anybody. I was off to college in Iowa, and she stayed in southern Ohio and was working, and we had a long-distance relationship, 702 miles. I drove that one time in less than 10 hours. Now, you need to understand that the speed limit in Iowa at the time was 80 miles an hour. But I still had to go through Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. <laughs> but once you get traveling, you're traveling, right? Connie wrote me every day. I wrote her less often. <laughs> we talked two or three times a week. And that was back when you were paying long distance bills. You didn't have all this cell phone stuff. And we saw each other about every three, four months. All right? We did that for two years. And then we got married. And there are times she wishes we'd go back to that. No. Scripture says, let us draw near to God. Aren't you thankful that we have that privilege? Now, how do we do that? Keep your finger here in Hebrews and turn over one book to James. James chapter 4. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now remember the hands and hearts thing, okay? Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Did you notice the criteria if we're to draw near to God? Submit yourselves, resist the devil. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Be sorry for your sin. Be humble. Back to Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart. We are to enjoy the benefits of his sacrifice. A sincere heart in full assurance of faith. 
is a heart that demonstrates complete trust and devotion. The promise of a new heart for God's people. Let us draw near with a true heart. We need to seize opportunity that's made possible by grace, understanding the great high priest that we have. Draw near. And what happens? Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. Our hearts are cleaned. He has given to us a new heart, even praise to our God. And our bodies are washed. Now there are some that would use this as a symbol of, of baptism, but I don't think it's that. I think what it is is understanding that it's the whole person. It's all of us. It's recognizing an inward as well as an outward cleansing. It's knowing that there is faith and works that take place in our lives. You see, we just can't sit around and enjoy the salvation that God's given to us. We need to live it out. We need to make a difference. We need to understand that we're saved for a reason. And that reason is to glorify God and to impact our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hearts are cleansed. Our bodies are washed. In Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus says, Husbands, Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. In 1 John chapter 5, we understand that it is the word of God that washes us clean. Let us draw near an opportunity of fellowship, a relation that we have with God the Father. But not only let us draw near in fellowship, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Aren't you thankful that God is faithful? There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is? That's right. And we can depend upon his promises. What's your favorite promise? I have a number of them. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you thankful that's true? My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Huh? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sin and do cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful that he is faithful to keep his promises? You see, the reality is the ability to keep promise is based on the pers- in the person making the promise. And we have a faithful one making the promise. What has he promised to you? And since he is faithful Can you hold fast the confession of our faith? The recognition that our hope is not in ourselves and the understanding that it is based 
in the one who died for us. That's what that's all about. Let us, without wavering, hold this truth. I know some people who are what I call convenient Christians. They live out their Christian life if it's convenient for them. Do you know anybody like that? We used to call them Sunday go to meeting Christians. I want to be more than a Sunday go to meeting Christian. How about you? I want a religion that fills me every day. Saying amen to the preacher is fine. Thank you. If all the week I let my light shine, I want to be more than a Sunday go to meeting Christian. Without wavering, I want to hold fast my confession and my confession of hope. Why? So that I can be growing. We're in verses 24 and 25. Now, I want you to note something. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, is our vertical relationship, right? Did you notice that? Let us draw near, let us hold fast, is this relationship. Draw near to God, hold fast to the confession, His promise, He's faithful. That's this way. Let us consider one another, is this way. This is our horizontal, this is our relation with each other. This is how we are supposed to be working together, growing together, developing Christ-like character in our lives. This, this is how we are to be responding. Let us consider. I like the word consider. It's an interesting word. It has the idea of paying attention studying, figuring out how, determining. This isn't just, I'll think about it. This is, I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. I'm going to make sure that this takes place. This is my assignment And I'm not going to give it up. Let us consider. Consider what? Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Exhorting one another. Sharing with each other. Challenging one another. One of my favorite questions to ask is, how are you doing in your Christian life? How you doing? Is that a legitimate question? Do you like being asked that question? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But that's what this is all about, right? Considering what I'm going to make this up because I need to encourage us all to grow up and good. That's what life groups are all about. 
That's our relationship with each other. That's our challenge to each other. Yesterday we had a life group meeting. And Roger Stewart, who was directing that meeting, asked us to, to identify the character of our life group in one word. That was interesting. The one word I thought about in our life group was prayer. We do a lot of praying together. We share our burdens. We bear our burdens. And you know what? It's a whole lot easier to walk with somebody than to walk by yourself. And if you're not in a relational life group, you need to be. So that you can figure out how to grow up in Christ and stir one another up. And how do you do that? The scripture tells us to stir one another up in love and good works. For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen? Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Why did you get saved? Because God had a job for you to do. Because he loved you. And he wanted you to live with him for all eternity. But he wanted you to represent who he is to a lost and dying world. Let us. Let us grow together. And then it says, not neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. The word assembly there is the word church, ecclesia. Not neglecting the body, not neglecting the family, not neglecting those who are part of this process in your life. not neglecting to, to meet. The believers to whom the writer is writing here in Hebrews were a community whose faith was in danger because they were living in a corrupt culture. Can you identify with that? And that's why he's emphasizing we have a need to stick together. I like what Benjamin Franklin said at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Gentlemen, we must all hang together or certainly we will all hang separately. It's true. And why do we do that? Because we need one another. And together, we can grow. And the reality is, Jesus is coming again. And all the more, last part of verse 25, and all the more, all the more, more important now than it's ever been in history, 
all the more as you see the day approaching. This is not the time to take our leisure. This is not the time in history for us to relax. This is not the time for us to get comfortable in our Christianity. Why? Because Jesus is coming again, and it may be today, and I want him to find me busy working. How about you? I want to be busy about the Father's business when he comes back. I do not know when he is coming. But I can tell you this. It's sooner today than it was yesterday. And if he doesn't come today, it'll be even sooner tomorrow. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. See, spiritual growth is relational. We need each other within the body of Christ. Since we've received grace. Since we have a great high priest, let us. Let us draw near in faith. Let us hold fast our confession of hope. And let us consider how we can stir one another up into love and good works. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Quick, powerful, sharper, two-edged sword than we'd ever understand. That pierces into our hearts. And help us, Father, to take your word and apply it to our lives. You've done so much. You've given to us the great high priest, your son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, he has paid it all, and all to him we owe. And help us to live that out in our lives for his glory. Bind us together, Lord, in our relationships. Bind us together in love. In Jesus' name.